What's going on, grown folks? How is it going? Listen, when I first started my journey into becoming a, a life coach and a speaker, one of the first things I did was I flew home to, uh, to Norristown, Pennsylvania, and I shared my vision, I shared my dream with my closest friends. Now, these guys have been rolling with me for years. These guys walked in my wedding really love these guys, really respect these guys, and I share my dream and my vision with them. I told them that I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I told them that I wanted to be a life coach. I told them that I wanted to help change people's lives, and these are my gifts. These are my abilities. This is what I'm supposed to use to carry out that purpose. Two weeks later, back home, sitting on the couch, and one of my bros, one of my friends, uh, hits me up on the Marco Polo app. He leaves me a little video message. I open it and I look at it and he says, bro, it's been two weeks. I haven't seen a video. I haven't heard a motivational message. You said this is what you wanted to do. What's going on? What are you doing? I got to be honest with you. That correction stung a little bit. I was very embarrassed because he reminded me of what I said. He reminded me of the commitment that I made. He reminded me the passion and the, and the uh, commitment that I expressed to them so vehemently, so energetically, with so much passion. And two weeks later, he hadn't seen anything. So he called me on it. That, my friends, is accountability. That is what this podcast is all about. And today, I am pleased to have this conversation with my friend who called me out on my mess, Jermaine Little. Welcome to the edge, folks. Let's get sharp. Where this thing all started, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You first walked into the door of Norristown Pizza Hut looking for a job. So with your hoodie on and you came in probably like three days straight. Um, are y'all hiring? No, we're not hiring. Um, are y'all hiring today? <laughs> okay, I'm back again. Are y'all hiring? All right, man, come on. And that just started, that started a camaraderie, a friendship that, that has been um, essential to both of our lives. I Absolutely. Think. Who would have thunk? Plymouth White Marsh, <laughs> Norristown, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Who would have yeah, thunk? Man, we, <laughs> we was hating on each other in, in school, didn't even know it. But um, right. But yeah, so let's talk about the journey, but let's start there, man. What was it man. like? See, that, that time from... for me, back then, especially, you know, when I first started working at PSET, I was, you understand, I was in a transitional period at that point. I was moving from Conchac to Norristown. It was my senior year, you know what I'm saying? And it was like either... I wasn't going to switch schools my senior year. So it was like, all right, I got to commute from a school district that I, I was living in to the school I was going to. And I needed, I needed one, you know, I don't come from a background where there's a whole bunch of money. So if I got, if I wanted stuff, I had to find a job and I figured that piece that was a perfect spot. So, you know, I, ca- I came there and looking for a job and I was like, no, I can, I can do this. And that, and that's one thing about me that I always was, I feel like, I can do anything. And that's one thing my mom always told me. I can do anything if I put my mind to it. So there wasn't nothing out there that I said that I couldn't do. So I was like, you know what? This is perfect. Um, I don't have to buy food. You know, that was a big part, you know, working at somewhere that, that had food so I didn't have to buy food. 
So I was like, yeah, let me let me check this place out. And then, I mean, it didn't look like the greatest place. You know, what I'm saying? don't get me wrong. You know, <laughs> Pizza Hut was a little beat up, but you know, it was it was good for me. So once right. I actually got the job and actually started working, and then you know, the rest is history. But you know, that was that was definitely a transitional period for me, um, at least in my life, because I was moving into, you know you know, you're a kid and you kind of moving into like, all right, you're going to have responsibilities real soon, like real quick. So I, at that point I was like, all right, kind of growing up a little bit, but not much. Don't get me wrong. Not much. I was still a little, you know, a little knucklehead, but at that point I knew I had to work, you know what I'm saying? Because once I got my first, I got my first job when I was 14, you know, um, once I did that and I got that first paycheck, it was like a wrap from then. At that point, I was like, all right, I got to always have some type of money flowing, some type of money coming in. Um, so everywhere I went, I looked for somewhere locally that I can walk to, you know, wasn't too much stress to kind of get there. And uh, Pizza Hut seemed to be the, the spot for me. I mean, obviously it was, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> this is a spot for all of us, man. I remember after Pizza Hut was, was a, a spot in the neighborhood. Right, it became that thing became the the it became the spot in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know? It was that's when we started calling it the Heezy, Heezy yeah, Club Heezy. <laughs> that was that I'm became you know, the spot. There was there, it was it was always a job. It was definitely right. um, a functioning restaurant, but there was a certain energy, uh, camaraderie, brotherhood mm-hmm. that you and your brothers brought when y'all got there. Right, it, it stitched the whole place together. It went from being um, employees, it went from being a team to being a family. And so and that it happened aspect, quickly. Yes. So that, but that was the spirit that you and your brothers brought that place because it wasn't like that before. And I'm realizing in our relationship, as I look back at it, that you were the catalyst to a lot of that, whether you realize it or not. I, I kind of do want to touch on it because there are a lot of people like you who have this ability, but don't understand what it is. Don't understand that it's a gifting, but you have always been a leader, um, especially among men. And you've always gathered us together. Cause when I came into the group, y'all was already like a squad 12, 15 deep. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> like this is, this is what we're doing. All right? I, used to come to the, I used to come to the house, Mont, Johnny, like, it was like everybody was That's just what I always mean. It, there. It, it was it became crazy, especially once my mom moved down south. When my mom moved to Maryland and it was just us in the house, it became like a frat house. It really did. Right. It was like a bunch of our friends was constantly always there. It was a roof to kind of hang out, so everybody was always there. And then we right. was always going out too. So it was like that was always the spot everyone met at before we headed out. You know, it became it it, it literally became like a frat house. Like without us even knowing. So, which is cool for me because, you know, I didn't go to college, so I didn't get to experience that. But that was my, you know, college frat house experience. And it was good for, yeah, what, it, so. for what it was. It was good. It was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. The parts that y'all would let me uh, take part in. Yeah, I had to keep you away from some of that stuff. I had to keep you away from some of the stuff. You know, that wasn't for you. That ain't for you. You come to the porch. You come to the porch. That's it. The rest, it ain't for you. You got to come back a little later, fam. Like, we we about to get into some stuff. Oh, man. But, yeah, but definitely that, just that aspect of of you. And I'm I'm not even sure if you're still doing that. I know we're, we're, um, 
distance away now that I'm in Florida, but are you still like, you still find like young men or other men just really gravitate towards you as that leadership piece as that model? I mean, not as, not as, as much as, you know, back then, um, like right now, most of the people that I come across is people I'm working with, you know, like my, uh, uh, people that I work with at work, you know, and it's, uh, there's a, there's a managerial aspect to it. I'm their manager. So it all, it all, I'm already coming in as their leader from a position standpoint, but I try to, you know, always talk to people, man to man, woman to woman on an even level type of thing. You know, I'm, I, and that's one thing about me. I'm always going to give respect. I'm going to respect you as I expect you to respect me. You know, now that relationship can um, evolve. And then, you know, if I feel like I'm getting some level of disrespect, I'll keep you at a distance or have to kind of let you know, like, hey, you know, you kind of crossing the line there. Um, but for the most part, you know, I'm cordial, whatever. I can get along with anyone. I can get along with everyone. I can. And I think that I might be a teacher by nature because I'm constantly trying to help someone or figure something out or teach someone something new. I never really noticed that until like recently that's always kind of been a part of who I am once you get past some, some of the silliness and goofiness, but I like deep down, like I, I want, yeah, like I want people to have knowledge. I want people to not only have the knowledge, but apply the knowledge. I want people to grow. You know what I'm saying? I want the people around me to rise. And I heard a saying that uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. And that's exactly, you know, how I want to see things. If I'm going to do well, I can't just hold that information and keep it to myself. I'm going to let you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what's working for me. You know, you should, maybe you should consider looking into it, maybe trying it. But it's, again, I, I'm also learning that that's not for everyone, you know. You know, everyone doesn't have the drive or the ambition to do more or to get to, to level up. Um, I never was really into video games per se, but I played, I did a dab a little bit, but I'm always about leveling up. Right. I feel you. So because if you're not growing, to, in my opinion, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I ain't ready for that. I want to keep growing. Keep that energy. Right. Keep that type of uh, level of growth. I feel like you've been, you've been like that for a long time. You was always, like I said, like you're the mover and shaker in, in the squad. That's why people always look to you for direction. Even in your family, you being the youngest brother, but still, right. you had to take that leadership role uh, a lot of times when it came to your family. Um, I, sometimes I honestly feel like I I didn't do that when I should have and could have. You know, I, I took the back seat because you know I was like, you know what, I'm not I'm not the oldest. I'm not I'm the youngest. I'm not leading or or helping or not necessarily helping, but telling you guys or telling anyone to do anything. I'm just gonna you know do my thing and hopefully y'all can follow suit. Um, because that there's always, especially, you know, with my brothers, that's that there's always that angle. You the little brother, you, I'm supposed to be telling you what to do opposed to the other way around. I mean, now, you know, we all almost 40. So I don't know how much that plays <laughs> in a part. Cause we, you know, we grown men, dog. But at the same time, I'm still, I'm still, when you look at, you know, positions and you look at um, who, who I am to them, I'm always going to be little bro. I'm always going to be little brother. And that always comes with, you know, a level of, 
I should be doing for you, not the other way around. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, so yeah, just along that same vein of you being the leadership piece in it. You advanced pretty quickly at Pizza Hut as you went from just the regular guy to eventually one of the key holders. Over right. Um, and the that, alarm code holders. <laughs> right. <laughs> that. And so like, it's like, like, it's the same, it's the same gifting. It's the same responsibility. It's like following through your, following you throughout your life. So I know you came in and you stepped in as that leadership um, amongst us as a squad. And I remember always looking up to you in that piece of like, wow, like if, if, if I don't know what to do, Jermaine will figure it out. So I'll just do what Jermaine does and, and I'll be all right. Especially because we was getting into situations where I was completely outside of my depth. Like, right. So I, I really didn't know what to do. And I was like, uh, if Jermaine hit him, then I'm going to hit him too. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever Jermaine does, ain't fine. I guess we fighting now. Like, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Like I'm I don't right, know you do, so. and that and, and you know that's never never been my thing to kind of go to the to throwing hands, but I was never afraid to throw hands, and that's right. and I think that was that's also a part of who I am. I'm never the aggressor. I'm never going to be someone that's out to you know pick. I'm not one. I can't stand bullies, so I'm never going to be the person that's going to be doing the bullying, um, and I'm never going to be the one the the aggressor in any situation. But if it comes to me. I'm going to hold my own. That's just, that's just who I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't want to do it, but don't like, don't push me. And I take that aspect into everything that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my thing. And if someone's going to bring a challenge to me, so if work's going to bring a challenge to me, I'm going to bring it back. Oh, if you think uh, I can't accomplish it, you're wrong. I'm going to come and accomplish it. And I think that's a little bit of the competitor in me that, 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 that takes me there. Cause I don't want, I mean, tell me I can't do something. You're going to see how hard I'm going to work to do it because that's just how I am. What's your favorite Pizza Hut memory? My favorite Pizza Hut memory? Yeah. Man. Can you talk about it? it, was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We're going we gonna to definitely keep it PG. Um, <laughs> but my favorite, probably my favorite is always at once we shut down, once we lock the doors and it's just us in there, Yes. You know, we throw we throw that jukebox on. Actually, what uh -huh. we did, we went in the back. You know, hit those jukebox credits because you know we want to put <laughs> right. the money in there. <laughs> and we run through those songs. You know, the right, Drew Hill man. songs, the you know, yes. the, the, the KC JoJo. Like we would we would go nuts, and that was probably the, my favorite. That and of course the space tournaments. Those yes. hands down, hands down. My favorite part yeah. about working there and it's funny right. because most of that is when it wasn't during operation hours <laughs> right. once we right. once we shut down mm -hmm. and we were young cool. i mean they gave me the keys and the code i was 18 years old you know what i'm saying right. 18 i was a kid <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's funny because right now i think 18 year old that's just a baby that's just a kid but when right. i was 18 you couldn't tell me i wasn't grown <laughs> right. <laughs> Remember that. Right. You I know you're tell me 16, I was right? Right. <laughs> right. So, but they gave me the keys and the, you know, keys to the establishment when I was 16, I mean, 18 years old. I was just a kid. So, you know, 
I still did kid things. So, you know, we, we didn't feel like working anymore. It was We closed at 10. It was, you know, 9 o'clock. We were done. All right, let's lock the doors. We put that sign on the doors. We got a cheese. And then <laughs> we start we start our chill early. <laughs> you know? And that was that was irresponsible of me, but I was again, I wasn't I wasn't bad. I wasn't a bad kid or a bad guy, but I took liberties every now and then, like closing early when I felt like it. That's just the way it was. Well, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I, need to put you, I mean to put you out there like that. I'm sorry. But, um, no, what you said? <laughs> I mean to put you out there like that, but no, um, what'd you say? I didn't hear what you said. I said, um, or not showing up at all. Right. <laughs> Cause I, I don't was, know. I don't know how many times I did that, but it, it, probably towards <laughs> the end, I was Relax. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're supposed to open, open. <laughs> right? You're supposed to open, supposed to open on a Sunday morning, one o'clock, right? It's one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm standing in the parking lot, like, okay, I guess. I guess Guess this we is what we're open. doing today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, you know, you had oh. me open on a Sunday morning when we went out Saturday night. It was hard to wake right. up today, you know? But that exactly. was uh, that was a young and dumb in me. Listen, man. But like I was I was trying to make this point earlier, um, but how like when you came together, you worked, you did what you had to do, but the real meat and potatoes of the experience was the camaraderie at the end of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think a lot of people are getting distracted by their jobs and by their careers, thinking that that's the success, that's the prize that they're looking for. No. And at the end of the day, it's ultimately the relationships that you're developing, the character that you're developing, the friendships that you're um, developing in the, right. in the career or in the job that really is going to make it worthwhile. Right. And so, it's not even just the job. It's just your journey altogether. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what is really success? Like when you're, let's say you're 85 years old, you on your deathbed, how much money you got in the bank don't matter. How many degrees right. you got don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like how much, you know, how much material things you have don't matter. The only thing that matters, who's by that side? Who's, who's by the bed by your side? Who's the people that's there for you through thick and thin? How many relationships has you cultivated that you've been an impact on people's life, that they care that you're there? You know what I'm saying? That's what it's all about, at least for me. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, it, what's good is getting it. You know, making it, making it. If you had to step on everybody, and when you get there, you by yourself. How can I, you enjoy it? You know what I'm saying? And then the only people around you is vultures, people that want mm-hmm. what you have but don't really care about who you are. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, um, my I think my favorite Pizza Hut memory was. We was we were all there for some reason, and you and Lou went to Lou's house. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know what you talking and, about. Uh, and the practical joker that you are <laughs> picked up the phone and was like, "Yo, yo, yo, you gotta come get us. They about to, they about to. Oh no, Lou, click!" <laughs> and Anthony lost his mind. Yo, they about to kill my brother. We gotta go. We gotta go right now. Everybody's like, "What did you talk about?" Yo, they about to get jumped. Let's go. And so all it was, it had to be at least 14 of us. Okay. We all hopped in the whips, three cars deep, pulled up on Willow Street. It's a one-way street. We shut down the whole block and we just start pouring out of these vehicles like, what's up? What's up? What's up? And you're out in the back seat. 
of Brandon's Jeep. He had the he had that blue <laughs> Sportage that purple, like that. yeah, that purple uh, sportage. <laughs> yeah, I was in the back seat, like hyperventilating, like this is it. I'm, I'm finna die in a gang fight. Like, I just let my parents down. Like, this is it. But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one to be like, all right, guys, I'll hold it down here while Listen. you guys go. I gotta, I gotta get in there. But I just knew that that was it for me. And then just to see the two of y'all just standing on the corner, <laughs> I was like. Idiot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we. I guess we didn't expect y'all to react that way. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't think y'all was gonna load up in the cars and show up like ready to roll. But I appreciate it though. I definitely appreciated it. But me and Lou, yeah, me and Lou was cracking up. Yeah, I bet, man. You still talk to him? That's probably nah, man. I I reached out to him on Facebook a couple months ago. Um, maybe even over a year ago. Um, last I seen, he was like in Delaware. I think he was living in Delaware. But yeah, nah, man. Huh? That, me and Lou was tight too. Yeah. Just because we both did, we both did the uh, football thing, we both did the track thing. Um, so yeah, that was uh, yeah, that man. was interesting. You know, my favorite, my favorite piece of memory of you oh, is God. when, <laughs> is when we was playing cards or we were sitting at the table. And the one bull, I figured his name was like Roderick or something like that, tried to snatch a pocket knife out your hand, and then you went straight beast mode on him. And I've never been more proud. <laughs> I've never That's been more proud. Slammed him on yeah. the table like Rob. He was like, "Is you crazy?" I'm like, "Yo, Mike, <laughs> like you was a passive, like you would never show any aggression." You know, guy, and, and and to me, like I, I was like that for the most part a lot too. So I know how people mm-hmm. take kindness for weakness, and I knew that was a situation in which that's what he was doing. So when you said, uh-huh. "Nah, homie, not not today," <laughs> when you showed like, "Yeah, I'm a pass," I'm you know, I'm, I'm passive, but if you disrespect me in some way, I'm stepping up right. and it's on. And when I seen that right. man, I was like, man, that's my boy. I was, ready to follow up. I was ready to follow up, but I ain't need to. You had it under control. You had it under the control, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. That All was right, probably so. my favorite memory of you. Yeah. I had to say. Don't mess it's with me. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for me to have, man. Those, those I mean, those, those are, think about the years at the age group, you know what I'm saying? Where we were, it was like 18. Well, it was, it was like 16, 17. <laughs> to like 19 20 maybe something around there um and those those years are like for 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 a man like you just turned 18 you feel you pump your chest out you think you've grown you know what i'm saying you want to hang out with your boys you want to have fun and that's what we were doing and we were just doing it at work when we were making money which made it better which made that place fun too, too. Uh, <laughs> bar right there people could get that that if you could take the the good times and turn Mm -hmm. it into money or have fun while you're making making money money. and that's what it's about that's why i try to kind of have fun no matter what i'm doing because that's that's the benefit you got to do it anyway you know what i'm saying if you're doing it you got to do it make the best of the situation you know what i'm saying in my my theory life brings enough stress you know what i'm saying life brings enough headaches enough stress why stress and worry about the little things when there's life's going to give you tons of big things to worry about tons of big things to care about tons of big things to have to deal with why worry about the little ones you know why put that extra stress on yourself 
you know, save it for the big thing. Yeah. Speaking of uh, big things, big responsibilities, let's talk about something that really changed your life in a huge way. Let's talk about that. Oh, <laughs> like, I always kind of figured I was a little bit mature. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't about nonsense for the most part. And I was about having fun and being goofy and stuff like that, but I wasn't really about the nonsense. Um, and then once Joshua was born, that changed everything. Now, really, it, it really wasn't about the nonsense. Now it's like, all right, I got responsibilities. It's not just about me. When it's just me, you know, I can deal with whatever. I can live in the cardboard box and be all right. But when I got responsibilities right. and I got somebody depending on me, that changed everything, you know. Right. And it put things in, in a little bit more perspective because now I'm not – I can't afford to get anything type of stupid trouble. I can't afford to not be working. I can't afford any of that because diapers, food, you know what I'm saying? And not only that, I'm a role model now. I got somebody that's going to constantly look at me as a barometer and as a guide, as a compass in life. Rather, he looks at me and say, he's either going to look at me and say, you know what? I don't want to be nothing like that. Or he's going to look at me and say, I'm proud. I want to be just like that. And every time, and every time along the way, I say, "Don't be like me. Be better than me." And that's the message I send to him. I tell him every day, "I don't care what I did. I don't care what I've done. I don't care what I'm doing. You be better because you are better." So, but that's that was life changing. Like that, like perspective on life changes when that happens because it becomes about okay, what do I got to do for me to what I got to do for him right and that's that's how things change you know so um a lot of the the fun that we were having became not much as fun anymore because i'm looking like like this ain't good enough i got i got i got somewhere i need to be in terms of um where i need to be in life i gotta start working towards getting there and if what i'm doing and where i'm at right now if that's not it if that's not what pushing me towards that and I got to make a change. Something's got to change. And that's when the whole Norristown house kind of went, went away. And then I had to go mm-hmm. on a different path and, and start worrying about you know, family and taking care of my family, which was, it was tough, but it was necessary at the same time because I had no, I had no clue how to do it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and no clue what I was hey. doing. I just had a gut feeling of what was right and what I had to do. And I just trust my gut and went towards that. That's that's tough, man. That kid definitely changed my life for the better. It it was for the better. And and I've never been the one to worry about all the things that I missed out on or anything like that because I was just excited to see him and see him grow. And even now I'm still excited to see who and, you know, who he's going to be as he grows. I just couldn't be more proud like even right now of who he is, you know what I'm saying? Cause I don't look for perfection. I know ain't nobody perfect. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. So I'm not going to fault him for not being perfect, but I am going to see who he is and see um, the positive and I'm in the drive, like his, his ambition to, you know, you know, to, to make it playing football, like the work that he puts in, like, I can't be more proud than that. Like that's better, way better than more than I could have done. And I just I couldn't be more proud of the kid. I too. <laughs> I probably I haven't seen him probably since probably since Anthony's wedding. Probably last right. time I saw. 
like just the pictures and the videos y'all been posting, that's a grown man, right? There. Right. Like <laughs> he ain't get but he get there, but he ain't right. get I gotta tell yeah. him every time, like he still got a lot of, he still got a lot of growing up to do. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, yeah. when I was eighteen I thought I was grown and wasn't even close. You know what I'm saying? Right. He wasn't even close to being grown. And he's the same right. way. He's sixteen. He thinks he, you know, he knows a lot, but he don't, he ain't even close. <laughs> but he'll right. get there. And I, and I have faith and I know he'll get there. So, you know, I'm not really concerned. Bless you. Um but I believe that your testimony is really what makes the difference between your life and somebody else's life. She I know, right? Like she crawling like you can see her <laughs> once she pops up. <laughs> that was adorable. That was adorable. <laughs> but but your your testimony, your story can be the difference in somebody's life. So let's go back a little bit and let's really unpack that thing as much as you're comfortable. Uh, uh, I'm open book. I'm, I'm you know that's I one thing I only I, I I try to not to you know care what other people think because when you start caring what other people think, it kind of starts changing you and who you are to your core so i try my best and it's obviously there's certain things that you know i might get embarrassed about and certain things i don't feel comfortable about but I, as long as i'm open and honest and that's what i try to be try to be open and honest and if i live open and honest you know i ain't got nothing to worry about yeah that's a good uh, way to look at well, let's talk about that that relationship you know how it started with the gotcha. with what with Josh's mom and all that, uh, all that nonsense that went Man. on. There. I was a part of a little bit of it, but just so others can know what to look for. Like, what advice? Uh, we'll do it like this. What advice would you give yourself 16 years ago, 18 years ago, when it comes to? Is my biggest thing. What I would say is listen to those red flags. Don't ignore them. You know, because the signs are there. The signs are always there. It's just you know, depending on who you are. You may choose to ignore them. You may choose to speak about them, but not do any, not act upon them. Um, the science was always there. You know what I'm saying? Me being really young, her being really young, we were definitely out of our depth and what we were, how we were acting and how we were living. And because of that, a whole bunch of nonsense came. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was all, you know, emotional, you know, type of things. Because I don't want to call it love because it wasn't love. It was more like, controlling and infatuation you know what i'm saying you know it was like something that you you know not only her but you know you wanted to kind of be in control of so um with that being said it was just you know i had signs there was tons of signs in which i was like you know what i need to why well, should leave this girl alone this is this is toxic this isn't healthy i should leave it alone but i was young i was dumb and i was I was, in a, <laughs> I was just in a situation, <laughs> in a situation where right. you know what I'm saying it's easy to go back to. You know what I'm saying? Like once, once you, once I did get away, and I'm I'm sitting in a room, you know, with nothing really to do, you know, you make a phone call, swing through, let's hang out, or let's go do this, or let's go do that. It's easy to do that, and that's what was that 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 cycle over around and around again, and. When you're doing that and you know that you have these signs of, you know, maybe this isn't right, but you're, yet you're still doing dumb stuff like, you know, sex without protection, you didn't get yourself, you get, you, you get your kid self in an adult situation. And that's, and that's basically what happened. 
Now, I wouldn't change it for the world because it gave me Joshua. But any advice I would give to my younger self or anyone young is look, listen to the signs. You know what I'm saying? Listen to those red flags. When, they, when them red flags pop up, take note of it. Take notice of it. Act accordingly to it because it could save you some unwanted consequences. Right. You know? Right. And then, um, I mean, it was, it was so bad to the point where, especially, and, and again, it was me being young and mature. It was her being young and immature and hormonal that it got to the point where, you know, she would, you know, say she's going in labor, I'll drop everything, I'll go, and it ain't time. So, wow. you know, That's... after doing that a couple times, then, you know, and when she said it, when she, I think I was out with you one day when it happened, I was with you. She called and said, mm-hmm. I'm like, she, oh, I'm going to labor. I'm like, yeah, right. Not again. You know, and it ended up being the time she actually had Joshua. So I wasn't okay. there for that. You know what I'm saying? But that, again, that was youth, immaturity. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, <laughs> it was at all. But that's, I mean, that's youth. Sorry. Young people make dumb young people make dumb mistakes. And that just comes with the territory. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not I don't fault or yell and scream that young people make dumb mistakes because that's what young people do. They make dumb mistakes. The key is to guide them through it. You know, you know, don't hold grudges, just guide them through it so that they can then learn how to make the right 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 choices. So but it took a long time, man. And then once Joshua was born, it was like, all right, you know, you know, this is my, you know, this is my son. Let's 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 try to make this thing work, knowing that there was red flags all over the place. But then you're like, okay, I gotta try to make this work for my son. And then that's that that can't like that never works. You know what I'm saying? Trying to stay together for a child never works because a child that that responsibility that you're putting on that child to hold a family together only will cause some damage because that a child can't do that they're not they're not here or designed they're not brought into this earth to hold families together that's not their job that's not their responsibility and when you stay because of children you place that responsibility on them now they got to deal with the contentment that you have for your your significant other over little things and there's this this harsh contentment because you don't want to be there anyway the only reason why you being there is children and subconsciously that does something subconsciously you'll act a certain way subconsciously you'll talk a certain way subconsciously your decision making is based around that the fact that you're there and you don't want to be there and that becomes a problem um that's why you get so many people and you see so many um relationships break up after the kids go to college or you see so many relationships and stuff breaks up after the kids grow up and out the house because you know they were only there for the children you know what I'm saying? That, and I'm sorry, I, I have to believe that does some type of damage to the kids. Because then they start to believe it was their fault that mm-hmm. you broke up. Now, if you, if you place it as their reason, they're the reason you're together. So naturally, they're going to think it's their fault that you broke up. Mm-hmm. And then, then you got to deal yeah. with that. And that's damaging. Yeah. So, but you know, all you can do is make the, and, and this is what I always say, you always want to make the best decisions you can in that moment that you're in. If you're constantly trying to make the best decision that you can in the moment that you're in, things will be okay because you're trying. 
you know, that's all any of us can do is try. Um, and that's what I did. I tried. I tried. Things were okay on the surface, but, you know, under the surface, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It wasn't joy. There wasn't happiness. And when that's the case, you know, eventually that's going to become a problem. And, you know, when, when we're, when you're together and you don't want to be, or you're together, and I don't want to say that you don't want to be when you're together and you're only doing it for the wrong reasons, anything can have you come, come outside of that relationship and do stuff you ain't supposed right. to be doing. And I believe that's what happened in my situation when she decided to go outside of our, actually we were married at the time, so outside of our marriage, because she didn't want to be in it in the first place. Right. In her, I believe she was checking boxes of what's supposed to happen, what we're supposed to do, okay? We're pregnant and we need to be together. We need to be together, okay, let's go, let's get our own place. And, and, and we were constantly living check to check because we were constantly upgrading before we were really ready to upgrade. So, you know, everything was tight, you know what I'm saying? Um, it was comfortable on the surface, you know, we had a nice apartment, everything was comfortable on the surface, but underneath, you know, budgeting was out of control, you know, our relationship in terms of communication was out of control, you know, being able, having a conversation and, and having a problem, discuss the problem, both compromise on the situation and come up with the best solution for us wasn't happening. It was literally having an argument with the kid. If you don't get your way, it's kicking and screaming, arguing, fighting, name calling, and all that. It wasn't healthy. So, and it was funny because a lot of times I was like, I would say to myself, "Man, if just give me a give me a way out, I'm taking it. Give me a way out, I'm taking it." And I didn't think the way out was gonna be me being cheated on, but. <laughs> <laughs> I took it. <laughs> Kept praying. You got exactly what you asked for. Right. Gone. Like gone. You were salty. Like, oh, word. This is like, what oh, we're doing. Out here. That's that's what that's what's happened. And it was so <laughs> self destruction. Like it was. She was in a at that point. I mean, she's good now. Her situation is good now. She's seems to be happy now. But again, I know her. That's all surface. I know she can look happy on the surface and have serious issues. You know. I don't want to say serious issues, but her house is built on a shaky foundation. And one one thing can have that whole thing come tumbling. That's how we were living. That's how I was living when I was with her. So I know that's a possibility. That's how she's still living. So she's she's not necessarily my problem anymore. So I keep it at a safe distance. I know what's going on. Like we communicate on a daily basis, but um, she's at a safe distance. Um, but I try to keep it that way. <laughs> like one thing we do, wanna... one thing we do is we co-parent well. Like once we were That's apart, good. once we were apart, it was like, okay, we're not going to be together. Um, but let's make sure that we're doing what's best and what's right for Joshua. And we both seem to be on the same page on that. So, which is I do wanna, grateful about I, that. Definitely grateful about that. I don't have to deal with no child support or any any, any craziness like that. Um, so I'm happy about that. Or I should I say she don't have to deal with child support because you know I was going for full custody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she was and she was just she was definitely in a especially once we first split, she was in like this self destruction mode. Like she was doing things that was self destructive and I couldn't fathom, I couldn't understand why at all she was just constantly constantly doing that to herself um but she got through it so she's all right even even as you're talking about it 
tell you still care. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think yeah. that, that goes a lot to your character, understanding that the baby's mom and she's a woman and you're going to respect her regardless. Right, absolutely. But respect you from over there. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> And, and it's like I, I mind my business as much as possible because I expect and I expect her to treat me the same way to mind her business as much as possible. I, d- I remember uh, a couple years ago uh, when we talked, told me that uh, you had to step in and defend her a few times. Oh, bro, that was some crazy stuff, too. It yeah. was funny because <laughs> let me tell you, like, we were, uh, she was messing with some bull, some bull from her past. Dude was straight asshole like he uh-huh. was one of those you know tough guys on the phone but complete punk ass on the, in person like he was one of those dudes you know what I'm saying right. so he would talk uh, he was like my man was sending me text messages I'm like dude like you're acting like a female I don't care like I don't care what you <laughs> have to say oh yes you, you're, you're, you're sleeping with my wife yes okay that's uh-huh. fine have fun you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm past that at that point you know what I'm saying um, but uh-huh. Early in the situation, when you know, we I was being told like you know this is when it first happened. She was saying, "Oh no, nah, we sh- we should probably sh- see if we can work things out." I'm like, "I don't know," but let's you know. I wasn't saying no, but I wasn't saying yes at the time. But she was just kind of, kind of, pulled me along a little bit. But um, I remember my mom having a work like um, after work happy hour at uh, Chance, and she was there after work, and then. She hits me up. She was like, guess who just walked in? And it was her. She walked in with the with the bull, the same bull that was doing all that talking. Walked in with him. So I was like, word? <laughs> let me just swing through, see, you know, just to, yeah, you know. <laughs> let, let me just swing through. I was in, you know, I think yeah, I was in Phoenixville. I was living in Phoenixville at the oh, time. Uh, so I was like, let me, let me swing down real quick. Let me just, you know see you at your happy hour so i went down there and <laughs> oh, hey mom how's it going <laughs> <laughs> it was funny so just picture there's a bar right so if the bar was in the middle you know there's tables all the way to the left of the bar that's where my mom was sitting she was sitting at the bar like the front right like the corner of the bar so and the door to get in was like you walk in and the bar was right there so i walked to the left around to the bar talk to my mom Right. She seen me. She like, oh, boy. Right. So I didn't go straight to her, which would have been to keep going up to, around the bar. I went all the way back around to mm-hmm. the other bar. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Cause that's where she was walking. And she was like, oh, what are you here? Don't do. I said, listen, I don't even, I'm not even doing anything. to bull. I'm not worried about the bull. You good. Don't stop worried. I just want to make sure you know that I know you're full of sh- crap telling me that you're trying uh-huh. to about working things out. And she was right. like, and then she started walking back towards him. So I was walking back the other way. And as I was walking mm-hmm. back, so I seen her, she was walking towards him and, you know, him being a sensitive soul he was, he decided to <laughs> right in her face. No. Yes. Right in her <laughs> face. So when I seen that, you know, I snapped. So that's when uh-huh. I, I walked, I came from behind him, took like, took him by the back of his head and threw him forward. <laughs> It was like, don't you ever spit in her face like that again? And he, he kind of rolled on the ground and then he got up and I'm standing there and he, you know, he was back. He was just standing there. Like he didn't, he didn't want no smoke at all. He didn't want any smoke at all talk. And I'm like, like, are you stupid? Like, are you insane? And people got in between us. Once people got in between us, then he wanted to talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, whatever, whatever. And at that point, you know, I had to skedaddle because I know somebody called the cops. 
So at that point, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so at that point, I I bounced. I left. Was like, all right, we out. Let's. Uh, so me and my mom left, and then I get a phone call from the police. You know, because you know, that's another thing. I ain't even. I, I should have cussed her behind out. How's she gonna give the cop my information? Like, come on, what you doing? That's not good. That's not street. What are you doing? Like, why you give? So the bull. I'm pressing. I want to press charges. This that. I'm like, stop. Come on, you punk behind. I ain't even punch you. Pushed you. (laughs) Like, get out of here. You lucky I ain't swing on you. Lucky I ain't still off on you. I'm not gonna punch somebody. I'm not gonna punch somebody if they ain't looking at me. I pushed them. Gave them the opportunity to square up. Looked him right Uh in his eyes. You know, you look him right in his eyes to see the type of man he was, and he wasn't. He ain't want no smoke. But I actually got a misdemeanor because of that. Did you? Yeah. I, I did not like, when, I, when I when I got this job I'm at now, I had to explain that situation to them. It's like, yeah, if you see this mystery on your record, I'm like, listen, <laughs> situations. My guy spit in my wife's face at the time, and then I just had, you know, one thing led to another, and the the manager, you know, he understood that because he was like, yeah, I did the same thing, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> I was able I was able to get the job, so which is cool. You're but doing was, well now. That was that was bad, bro. I was mad. I'm like, you serious? You seriously gave them my information? Like, where they do that at? <laughs> right. But I already I'm know so what it sorry, was. Bro. I already know it. He uh-huh. was the bull who was like he was the bull was a, he wasn't a good dude. Like he was he like she had black eyes from him. Wow. Yeah, that's, you know what I'm saying. Like he was he wasn't a good dude. That's why I said she was in self destructive mode, and I just didn't understand why she allowed herself to stay in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but he, yeah. Man, I was on site if I seen him again. No way <laughs> on site. Absolutely. But, but that's nowhere here. To, it's the past. I ain't got to worry about that dude no more. <laughs> I mean, I was never really worried about him in the first place, but that's that's the situation. That's the type of situations you, if you allow yourself to get into, that could have turned south easily for me. You know what I'm saying? You know, but you know, thank God it, it didn't turn out worse than it did it needed to be. So, but yeah. Right, man. That, wow, that's a hell of a story, bro. <laughs> yeah. that's good. Right. So, man, let's let's uh, fast forward to uh, to 2020, man. 2020 is crazy, yeah. I was one of those people who was like, 2020 is my year. 2020 is the year of vision. Let's right. do this. <laughs> like, everything's uh-huh. going to – I'm going to blow up this year. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. 2020 hit. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So, I was I was thinking back to that situation where uh, – where, uh, you, uh, you and Lou uh, played that joke on us, and we all uh-huh. pulled them, you know. And I mean, not to say that it wasn't dangerous then, but oh, the so landscape it, as it stands now, if you think fourteen young African American men pop out on the street, <laughs> somebody <laughs> makes one phone call. That's a wrap. You know, they come in with batons and shields and all that type of stuff. That's honestly right. like, remember, even um, a little bit after Pizza Hut, you know, we had uh-huh. a situation in which, you know, we had this like this party at the house. Then all of a sudden we, we started beefing with somebody that came there. And it, be, it turned into this like crazy, weird beef between us, 
me and my friends and like like these Norristown kids. And this is the situation where it was like it was a serious to the to the point where it was like um Brandon had a uh you know, Brandon had a little sister and they were at right. a party at the Carver Center. And we at that point we were beefing so heavy, we was like, yo, nobody go anywhere by themselves, type of thing. You know, make sure we with somebody. Brandon was like, nah, it's cool. I'm just gonna go pick up my sister. So he gets there. I, of course, the people that we beefing with is there. They jump him to the point where he ended up having to go to the hospital. You know uh, what I'm saying? So like he calls us like just like we did the situation with Lil, but this was serious. He was like, yo, I think I'm about to get jumped. These dudes are all around me. So we hop in the same situation. We were probably about 14 deep. We hop in the car. We shoot over to the Carver Center. You know what I'm saying? It was so bad at that point. Crowds was there because they was jumping him. And he had to, like, when we get there, like, we just hop out. Like, car doors left open. We hop out. Anthony run up. Me and Anthony is running up to the bill, to the Carver Center, up the steps. We see Brandon go in. So we get to the top of the steps. Brandon's in there. The door's locked, so we can't get in there. So they let Brandon in to kind of save him. We can't get in there. We heated. I seen how bloody he was. We heated. We came down the steps to look for the first familiar face that we knew. <laughs> Bow! Yeah, and it's on. Bow! And it was on. It was like, literally, like, it was like, it made the newspaper. It was so big. It was like, yeah. like a riot, like, that we was the first ones there, happened to be there. It was like six or seven other dudes coming up the street. So we, we, uh, man, we hustling, like, that's a story for an, another story. We'll break down that story another day in the details. <laughs> that was... That was a crazy situation in terms of, you know, guys hopping out, you know, actually being in a situation where if that was to happen today, right. who knows, man, the fear at this level, they would have been shooting, you know, the cops probably would have been shooting down the street to try to disperse the crowd. Right. I know that that hits different for you having a 16-year-old black man, you know what I mean? Who's about to start driving. Right, so you're, so about, you're to, trying to lose it. Right, and I had to have that talk with him too. I had to have him talk, you know, always have your hands visible, you know, keep your license and register, oh, your registration insurance and advisor so you don't have to ever dig for anything. You know what I'm saying? Always be respectful, yes, sir, no, sir. Make it home. And people, um, especially people that don't understand what it's like to be black in this country, don't understand the severity of that conversation. They don't understand that severity. Like, that's that's scary. You know, you put, we give our kids, like for them, they, you know, their kids get cars. It's cool. It's like, all right, don't, don't worry about, they worried about driving recklessly and speeding. You know, we, we not only worried about that, we worried about getting pulled over and how that can go south really fast, way too fast. So, and it's like, I don't want to, it's one of the, just one of the things that we have to deal with that, you know, me, my personality is, is, you know, this is the way it is. So, find out how to deal with it, but I, that doesn't mean I don't voice how wrong it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't have to deal with it. Just because I deal with it and deal with it the way I deal with it doesn't make it okay. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, like in the, in the View from the Other Side episode that I, uh, that I posted, I was telling a friend of mine, he's from like Southern California. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a Latino kid. But well, he's got really fair skin, black hair, and he's like, he's like, Mike, I don't, I don't get it. Why is everybody so alarmed? He's like, I wasn't trying to, to be like disrespectful or anything. He was like, I've never experienced racism. What is everybody talking about? Basically. And so, 
it's, I'm like, I'm I like, I said to him this, I said that if you've ever been driving, what was your worst fear that he was like getting in a car accident or, or I said, if you get pulled over by the cops, what's your worst fear? He was like, my mom's going to kill me if I get a ticket, right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, my worst fear is that I'm going to die, you know? And that, and that's, that's what it is, you know what I mean? And, and I was sharing and some experiences with him. Go ahead. The thing that drives me crazy is people try to delegitimate size. I don't know if that's a word, but like that. Like the fear and actually <laughs> fear cannot. of that it can go south and you can lose your life. Oh, you're being right. overdramatic. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> right. That's a legit fear. Unless I lower myself to less than a man, I'm not going to make it out that situation. Think about that. I have to lower myself less than a man. It's not about respect and authority or anything. I have to lower. I, I don't have the right to ask you a question of why, why you're doing what you're doing without you feeling like I'm disrespecting you, without you feeling like I'm challenging your authority. And once you feel like I'm challenging your authority, it's aggression move. And that's, that's in any other situation, you know, that doesn't fly. But because you are who you are, I can lose my life and it wouldn't be a second thought. He was a thug. They'll bring up that misdemeanor on my record saying, obviously, he's a violent man. Meanwhile, right. you know what I'm saying, never had handcuffs on because that was just a ticket over the right. phone call. I never wore handcuffs. I've never been behind a police car. I've never been in jail. But they'll bring something right. up like that and, tell, and try to, you know, demonize me because I had the audacity to ask, why'd you pull me over? I had the audacity to ask for your badge number. I had the audacity to ask something that I have right to next to ask. Mm -hmm. Like, I shouldn't have to legitimize my rights. It's, it's mine. I, don't have, I shouldn't have to fight for it or ask for it. It's messed up. Just like you said, we just find a way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. We still need to survive. And we have to survive that moment. You know, think right, about yeah. that. You know, you're dealing with the people that protects and serve, and we have to survive that moment. Like that's backwards. We got to think about survival because we're dealing with the people that's supposed to protect us. That's such a twisted way. And there's, 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 there's a level of living behind enemy lines that we deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not something that I don't expect white America to understand it because they don't have to deal with it. So they can't understand it. They can't understand it just like I can't understand what it's like to give birth to a child. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's something I would never understand. I could try to understand. I could sympathize. And I could say, you know, and try to understand what they're going through. But you'll never really understand. And that's, that's what makes it hard for, I think, white America to understand is that the fact that they'll never really be able to understand. So to tell me how I should deal with it is asinine because you have no idea. None. Oh, you should do it this way or you should know. You have no idea. I read uh, I read uh, D.L. Hughley's book, uh -huh. How Not to Get Shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good read. Yeah. But yeah. It's a it's a good book. Just that's basically what it is. How not to get shot and other advice. So <laughs> it's just it's just 
Uh, of course, the satirical take on uh, current events, but you really listen to it. It's like exactly how it is. Right. And I can and I can dig it. Like it's even now, like like we talked to like right now, current events, you know, the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and how people think, oh, that's just like the KKK. What? what? Are you serious <laughs> right now? Are you trying to compare the two? You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's two different things. And and why and for the life of me, I can't understand why does that statement bother so many people? You gotta really ask yourself if that bothers you. Why? What is it about it that bothers you? And if you say all lives matter, I'm ready to slap you in the face because that all right. lives matter has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Right. You know what I'm saying? But no, there's no but. Like, are you able to understand that Black Lives Matter? Yeah, but White Lives Matter too. I didn't say it. It didn't. Black the <laughs> statement Black Lives Matter doesn't say anything else doesn't matter. It's just a statement saying that Black Lives Matter. Matter. Who is it? Uh, who did it? Uh, I say. Yeah. It's just matter. <laughs> like that's the just matters. Just matters. Matters. <laughs> Michael said, yeah. Why and why is that such a problem? Why is that such an issue? And it just goes to show how far we still have to go. I remember in 2008 and I shed a tear. When Obama got elected, I was I couldn't uh, be more proud. I couldn't be more proud of you know being black. I couldn't be more proud of the, America that we, we were able to elect a, a a black president. I couldn't be more proud. And then, what I like to call the backlash happened. <laughs> like uh, uh, once you know that you know middle America wall you know uh, the racist realized, oh my goodness, he actually got elected. Oh, it was over at that uh -huh. point. You know, now it was about destruction. It's about um, making sure he doesn't succeed. Everything was about that. Things that it was funny. Things that was you know, Republican platforms. Things that was you know, brought out to brought out to the table to Republicans was now being saying, "No, nah, we can't do that," because it was Obama putting it up for it. Like it was, it was insane, and that really, really. Um, really upset me that Tea Party, the whole Tea Party movement, and I had people that was doing that was in that Tea Party movement, and like they don't even realize the movements that they're, you know, agreeing to are racist based. <laughs> you know, it was basically based off of counter, you know, countering what Obama had going, what Obama wanted to do, and that was just heartbreaking because I tried to have conversations to get people to realize and understand and see and they just couldn't they couldn't see they couldn't understand they couldn't put themselves in my shoes and that's what it that's where you know at this point where I'm at especially in 2020 because of everything that happened from 2008 on now that in 2020 I say I don't waste time I don't waste my time because if you're not willing to put yourself in my shoes if you're not willing to understand I'm not gonna waste my time. And it's a couple. It's been a couple. It's funny because it's been a couple times that I wanted to make some comments on Desi's posts, and then where this one <laughs> dude that keep, keeps always, no matter what she posts, has something to say. I was about to say, like, you just not comment. Like, what are you even commenting for? Why you always got to comment? I was like, no, nah, let me fall back. You know, I said it's probably a coworker or something. I ain't trying to put her out. But yeah, it's not. It's a it's a dude we used to go to church with. And uh, uh, we're actually like we were like 
family before this. Like seriously, like we were sure. I was ready to air him. I was ready to air him out. Essie's really upset with him too. Like I literally had something typed, and I was like, "No, let me delete this. Do it right. (laughs) Let me chill. Right. Right." But yeah, like man. just things like that, like they just refuse to understand a different perspective. And if you can't put yourself and understand the other side, then it's not worth. Why are you even having a conversation? What are you actually trying to do? You're not. You're not talking, or you're not having a conversation to learn, or to educate yourself, or to or, or to get an understanding. You're literally here to fight. And if you're only in the conversation for the fight, I ain't got time for it. Hold on, just a minute. What's up, Tim? Let me pause. That's what I had to start to record it back. Oh, oh you about to make me pass out. Uh Stop. <laughs> Having all that tough stuff you was talking about. <laughs> Ain't nothing tough about me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm not a pain. Not a pain. I mean, I'll deal with them, but I'm not a pain. So, we were talking about um, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, having to raise your uh, sons and all of this nonsense. Right. Trying to have kids. And what I'm hoping is that, you know, once we get past, you know, the craziness of this moment, uh, we can actually get into some real life solutions. So right now, you know, we're not in solution mode. There's no, there's not going to be any solutions that's going to come out of this, you know what I'm saying? Because of the political environment that we're in right now, it's, it's, you know, election season ain't nothing. You know, and, and when you talk about the, you know, the president, person actually president, his base has nothing, wants nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, with Black people, or you know, his base is the anger vote. You know, and when everything is the anger vote, and when he has to placate to his base, all he does is stoke those fires, and it's not going to make anything better. Um, and then when you have people in the movement that's sabotaging the movement by doing things like distort, destroying property and, and looting and different things like that, that distorts the message. And now all people talk about is the looting and not the message. And that's done, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's just, you know, people that's doing it on purpose. Like the, you know, I believe there's, there's definitely white nationalists that's doing that on purpose. Let's go into these events and let's go into these routing and starting problems on purpose. But then you get the, you know, the youth involved and they're going to follow suit. Like all alluding, they, you know, they see opportunity. And I'm sorry, but when you give poor people opportunity to grab, they're going to grab. You know, if you stand in the middle of a crowded, you know, room and you throw a whole bunch of money in the air and it becomes chaos, you can't be mad at the people for being chaos, for being chaotic. You know what I'm saying? That's the environment that they're in. They're going to they're take advantage. You got dollar bills and $100 bills floating in the air. They're going to get their piece. They're going to try to get theirs. And that's the situation it is. So, is it, am I happy about that? No, not at all. But it's, it's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of it. It's many parts of the movement. And 
you know, you have your, you know, political aspect, people that's going to take advantage or use their political aspect to deal with the movement. You have your protesters, the, the fight front line, the summer front line fights that's marching, that's holding signs, that's, you know, that's part of the movement. You have your, you know, businessmen that's behind the movement. Okay, let's let's uni- unite. Let's, you know, let's start our own black business. Let's support black business. That's that. There's that part of the movement. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge the whole movement on one aspect of it. And it, it's easy for the opposition to do that. They'll point out the worst thing about the movement. And see, see, that's that's what they're all about. And you get, I'm watching you. You watch videos of these. You know, you go to Middle America. You go to America where you know. One percent, you know, minorities. Not even one percent black, but one percent minorities. These people, they see what they see in the news, and they think, you know, people are coming to burn down the hotel. And they, they're full of hate and rage. And you're not gonna, you black some bitches ain't gonna do that in my town. You know, they got that type of attitude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have absolutely no idea what the movement's about, or you know, what it's for, or anything like that. So it's tough. You know, when when you got divisiveness from up top, you know, when the leader is being divisive, then, you know, I'm not surprised by all the chaos and all the turmoil that's happening right now. Yeah, man. It's interesting situation. You're doing what you have to do to survive it. Right. To make sure you survive that encounter. Right. And you got to think about it like this, like right now I'm in, I'm in the suburbs, you know, I'm walking past and driving past Confederate flags and driving past, you know, yeah, like people that's putting them flags out proudly, you know, they got their Trump 2020 flags flying proudly. So I'm in that area. So, you know, me, I'm, I'm licensed to carry. So I got, I got that with me, but at the same time, you know, at the same time, I'm still nervous because if I get pulled over for any reason, and that's on me, my risk of that interaction going south goes up. So what am I supposed to do? Go out there unprotected? Because I'm afraid if I come in contact with a cop, or do I go out there my, out there protected and then hope that I don't run into a cop? I mean, that's the dilemma. You know, it's stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, but that's, I mean, that's it's the life, man. It is what it is. Like a, <laughs> it's funny because that's what I say at work to like technicians. They always complain about, oh, things should be this, and things should be that. I'm like, listen, it is what it is. Like all you can do is deal with with the way it is, not the way it should be. The way it is is you have to do it this way. So do it this way, and then we'll keep working to change it. But change is slow. Change ain't fast. So it's tough. Wow. It's scary. You're smart. When did you get so wise, fam? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to deal with the way it is until we can change it. Until, this until is the environment. This is what it is. So you have to survive what it is while right. also working to change what it is. Exactly. Wow. And there's going to come a time in where you have to make a stand. You're going to have to make a stand. And hopefully it's in a situation in which it's not life or death. You know, it might be, you know what, I refuse to work with you or I refuse to work for you. So I'm out. That could be the sting. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but eventually, you know, the way things are is, is always going to lead to a stand that you have to make. Are you going to stand for something or are you just going to go with the with the flow? 
film. So we understand how it is. We understand we need to survive how it is. What are we doing? And I know you got a lot of stuff to talk about in the subject. What are we doing to change it? Ah, see. And that's that's the key right there. What are we going to do to change it? I think right now our community is victimized by the way we act because we're constantly in survival mode. We do things survival, like, you know, when you're trying to survive, you know, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you if I catch you slipping, oh, it's me. You know, you, you, you even look, you ever see those, uh, those bike going on grown folk i hope you enjoyed that episode part two will be out next week but now it's time for the final thought final thought is this you never outgrow accountability never some people think that after a certain age you don't have to answer to anybody you don't have to give an account for your actions for your attitude for your character and that can't be further from the truth you should always have somebody in your life who loves you and who you respect enough that you um, will hear their opinion, you'll hear the truth that they're saying about you, and you'll be able to change in response to it. That term, get your boy, should really still mean something. When somebody says, yo, come get him, there should be a person in your life who can legit come get you. There should be a person in your life where your spouse can call and say, hey, he tripping, you need to come talk to him, you need to come get him. And that person, you should respect and love that person enough to be able to hear from them, okay? So you will never, ever, or you should never, ever outgrow accountability. I love y'all, and I'll see you on the next one. Please remember, you are not a mistake. You are a solution. I love you.